Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. Amen. Turn in your Bibles this morning, if you could, to Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24. And we're going to be picking up again on part two of a series. If you weren't here last week, uh, I started a three-week series, kind of a small introduction really to uh, the end times and looking, focusing on the end times mentioned in scripture. And uh, last week we looked at, in week one, we looked at being ready for Jesus to return. I chatted to lots of people and I said it last week, sometimes people um, talk about their Christian faith, but they never really mention much about the fact that Jesus is coming back soon. And I think it's a pretty crucial thing for us to look into that Jesus said, just as much as he talked about his death, his resurrection, he mentioned that he was coming back. And that's exciting, isn't it? I don't know about you, but I get excited. I don't get excited when things go wrong in the world. But I get excited that Jesus said he's coming back for those who believe. Last week we looked at week one was called ready or not. It was looking at that aspect of are you ready for this? If you look at the New Testament church, the early church, Paul, particularly in Thessalonians, talks to them about the expectancy they had of Jesus returning. They were so expectant that some of them felt like giving up their jobs and jacking everything in just so that they were ready for him to return. Now here we are 2,000 years on, moved on from that, and you think to yourself, some people can think, well, has Jesus got this all wrong? And, you know, they were expectant. Why should we be expectant? I think the problem is, we talked about last week, is that the church in 2,000 years can become a little bit asleep to the fact that Jesus said he's going to return. 2,000 years may be something big for us, but to Jesus, to, to God, it is completely different. So I want to look today, uh, just picking up on last week, just to summarize, we looked at learning from the past, Matthew chapter 24. Jesus talked about the fact that we need to look at today, the end times will be like, and he refers to an Old Testament story of Noah. And he says it will be like the days of Noah when people are marrying and giving in marriage, eating and drinking. In other words, just doing the normal thing. And it won't be that you'll just be waiting for this drastic thing to happen and then you think, right, now it is, this is the end. Jesus says it would be like in the days of Noah. And if you look into the days of Noah, when, when Noah was building the ark, preparing for what God's judgment to come upon the earth because of sin, he was expectant, but the people were just carrying on as normal. And so we have to expect that the end times, and some people say, are we, are we in the end, the last days? I believe that in Acts, when Jesus, when the outpouring of the Spirit came and they talked about the prophecies of Joel 2, they said, in the last days, this is the last days from that moment. These are the last days. But they're ever increasing and getting closer to his return. We have to learn from the past we looked at last week and also look with expectancy, constant expectancy that he could come at any moment. Some, some of us sometimes, I think, we think, well, I don't want him to come back. We said this last week. We don't want him to come back yet. We've got things to do. We've got things to uh, prepare or we want to go on holiday. I want to go to Greece, you know. I just hope he, come, he doesn't come for a few more weeks. I really need to go to Greece and have a rest. And uh, I'm just hoping that the Lord doesn't do that. But how many of you know when he returns, it will be the, gr- the greatest day, the greatest day that we've ever seen. Everything will fade away. Church and all the things we're doing now is just temporary. It leads and points to that day. And finally, last week, we looked at living with that eternal perspective. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes, it says that God has set eternity in our hearts. In other words, I I know that when I became a Christian, I gave my life to Jesus. Something special happened inside that it wasn't just that I was saved, but he set eternity. There was something going on in my spirit, my soul, that said that there is more to life beyond. And in fact, actually, we live in the eternal life now because, hey guys, we're never going to die. The Bible says that we will live 
eternally. So we need to have that eternal perspective and not get distracted by the things of life. You see, I believe that when Jesus talked about it, he says it's in the days of Noah, people are getting married and doing all these things. It's so easy to go to sleep as a church, get wrapped up into the things of the world and not live with an eternal perspective. But live with a perspective that you've got to get your pensions, everything's sorted out, everything's got to be right and this is right to do these things until, yeah, I'm going to live hopefully to 80, 90, 100 or whatever. People are living longer these days and it's great. But we can look at life like it's just about those 100 years, let's say. But it's not about that. It's an eternal perspective. In fact, when you have an eternal perspective on life, it will change the way you operate on earth. I believe that God has really got hold of me in the last couple of years and challenged me. And the way that I work and operate for the kingdom of God now is with an eternal perspective. I don't look at life as this short span of time. We have got a job to do and we've got to rescue people. Amen. With that eternal perspective. Week two this week, we're going to be turning, if you're already there, in Matthew chapter 24. And this, the title of this message today is Reading the Signs. Reading the Signs. Matthew chapter 24, we're going to pick up a little bit earlier than where we were last week in verse 1. And it says this, Jesus left the temple and was walking away when his disciples came up to him to call his attention to its buildings. Do you see all these things? He asked. Truly I tell you, not one stone here will be left on another. Everyone will be thrown down. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. They said, tell us, when will this happen? And what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? Jesus answered. I, tell, I wish I was there that day. When he answered this question, watch out that no one deceives you for many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of the birth pains. Then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death. And you will be hated by all nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. So... When you see standing in the holy place, the abomination that causes desolation, spoken of through the prophet Daniel, that's Old Testament, let the reader understand, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let no one on the housetop go down to take anything out of the house. Let no one in the field go back to get their cloak. How dreadful it will be in those days for pregnant women and nursing mothers. Pray that your flight will not take place in winter or on the Sabbath. For then will be great distress, unequaled from the beginning of the world until now, and never to be equaled again. If those days had not been cut short, no one would survive. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be shortened. At that time, if anyone says to you, look, here is the Messiah, there he is, do not believe it. For false messiahs and false prophets will appear and perform great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. See, I have told you ahead of time, said Jesus. So, verse 26, if anyone tells you, there he is, out in the wilderness, do not go out. Or here he is, in the inner rooms, do not believe it. For as lightning that comes from the east is visible from the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Amen.
Amen. Father, I pray this morning, let your words speak into our hearts. Lord, we're expectant. We want to be ready as a church for when you return in our hearts. We want to have an eternal perspective. Lord, let your words speak to us today to reveal, just as you did when you spoke to those disciples there on that day, that you revealed to us, Lord, so that we're ready for your return. Amen. Amen. This story here, just looking at Jesus responding to these disciples, it's, it's the kind of question that I'd love to have asked Jesus myself. If he mentioned a few times about his return, and I'd want to ask him and say, when is it you're coming back? You know, we want to know, we want to prepare. We want to prepare for your return. It's interesting that actually the, the disciples here in this story, if you read it, did not get onto the subject of the end times. They didn't talk to Jesus immediately saying, we want to know about the end times. We want to know about the last days. In fact, it all triggered from one thing. When, when they began to glorify the temple, they began to look at the temple saying, Jesus had just been inside the temple in, in chapter 23, if you read it. In fact, he has just given one of the most criticizing uh, messages to the religious leaders in the temple that he's just leaving. He's just told them how hypocritical these religious leaders are in the temple. He's told them about how they don't really live the faith uh, out that they're, they're trying to draw people in. And he criticized them. You read it, chapter 23. He's just leaving after chapter 23, coming out of the temple, and then it's like like that he's just had this major kind of attack in a sense on the religious leaders and then the disciples almost are like thinking wow he's is he really bothered about the temple and they're turning and saying look look at this amazing temple look I think it's in, in Mark it says look at the stones look at the size of these stones I know that when we did the project here outside and we were redoing the stones up I was so overwhelmed by seeing some of the size and the piece of the stone that were going back into the church when they've been took out and I was overwhelmed by the weight of these things that these guys were carrying them up but in this temple you can imagine the disciples were turning around almost saying to Jesus look you're not really overwhelmed by this temple this temple that, that kind of, uh, it, it represents Judaism, it represents us. And Jesus turns around and he says, he doesn't go, oh yes, I love the temple. He turns around and says, do you realize in the future, in my words, do you realize that one day everything that you're looking at and glorifying here is going to be gone? Everything that you're looking at is going to be gone. If there's anything there, I'd like to say this, that some of us can look in our faith, in, in Christian faith, that we focus on buildings, church, we focus on the grandeur of everything, and we forget actually it's all about Jesus. We're all busy looking at how beautiful the stones are. We're looking how beautiful the churches are. How beautiful we've created and made church look, when actually it's all about Jesus Christ. And Jesus is basically saying to his disciples, look, listen guys, I know you like the temple. I know I've just done a criticizing message in there to these guys and told them what I, I think. And I know you like the temple, but listen, one day the temple is not going to mean anything because he was going to be the temple. He would be the, t- the temple destroyed in three days and raised up again. And he would be the new covenant. And he was saying, don't look at these things. Don't focus on the magnificent buildings and these things if you look into history it will you'll see that in this exact prophecy that jesus gave of the destruction of the temple happened in about 70 a.d when it was led by the romans as they came in led by titus and he came in and destroyed the temple you can read the the historical writings on this not in the bible when that actual thing happened so many of us would say well in 70 a.d if these things had happened Well, wouldn't he have returned soon after? Jesus said that the generation that sees these signs, they will see his coming. They will see that coming. But I want to tell you that the fulfillment of all the signs have not yet occurred. When he said this, I've I've met people on the streets, they've questioned me. Not long back, I met a guy and he said to me, he goes, I want to tell you something. He goes, I don't believe. He he basically uh, put down the whole Bible And believing Jesus on this very scripture that Jesus said, this generation will see me come in effect. They'll fulfill all these signs. And he said, if that's happened, he says, the destruction of the temple, the people he spoke to, well, they're all dead. 
And we're here 2,000 years later. But if you look at the scripture, Jesus said this generation. In other words, the generation that sees the fulfillment of all these signs. I believe, and I want to tell you this, and I think many people have said this over the years, but I really believe we're coming very, very, very close to the end. I believe that we're, things have speeded up and we're coming so close to the end. Listen, no one knows the day or the hour. Not even Jesus But listen, why do I say that? It's not to be alarming. It's not to be sensationalist. It's to say we have to be ready for him to come. So Jesus gives these lists of signs. How many of you like signs? We went to Lincoln yesterday. We were driving up trying to find the sat-nav, trying to get up to uh, a place. Boy, oh boy, sat-navs don't always do the work. And we got lost. And I like signs when they point and give you direction. And uh, it's good to see these signs. Someone wrote this once, they said, I like dead-end signs. I think they're kind. They at least have the decency to tell you that you're going nowhere. You know, I don't like it when I've missed the dead-end sign and I drive down and we end up, you're trying to turn back around again and get out because you missed the signs. And I want to, the reason why I'm bringing this subject up today is reading the signs is because you've probably read these scriptures many times. A young boy used to read Matthew chapter 24, get excited But I want to remind you today, remind you, if you've never heard this before, remind you of some of the things that Jesus mentions that you have got to watch for. You see, when I watch the news, when I look at the things of today, I watch with expectancy. In my spirit, in my soul, there's an expectancy that one day he's going to come. I want to look at seven signs here that I put into context, seven signs that Jesus mentions to observe. Number one today is this. The first sign that Jesus talks about is that there will be false Christs. There will be false Christs. You may may have heard many times, anti-Christs. Anti-Christs. And these Christs, um, they, we know that the Bible mentions, and I'm not going to go into detail on this specifically today. Uh, You look on on Google and search on Google, you'll find that people search saying, who is the Antichrist? And you get all these kind of things coming up listen pretty much every person in the world seems to be the antichrist on google you know as soon as a new dictator comes then you've got all these reasons why they're they're the antichrist but let me say that there will be a person that arises the bible talks about this daniel talks about it that there will be a person at the end times that will culminate and will be the rise of a person that will be an antichrist an antichrist is not necessarily someone who is against christ but stands in the place of christ it comes from the word pseudo christ in other words they stand in the place of they try to be like christ Almost, and without going into detail on this, but people will be fooled by the Antichrist, this one who comes at the end, because they will see him as a Messiah. How many of you know that the Jewish people still are waiting and seeking this Messiah that will come? And they don't know that Jesus is the Messiah. You know, we, I saw something, a, a brilliant video recently of the Jewish people seeing and being read for the first time, Isaiah 53, that talks about, prophesies of Jesus coming. And these people, they were, it was like they'd never heard this before. The truth of the one who would give his life and be the suffering servant that they didn't expect. And I want to tell you today that Antichrist will come. There will not just be one Antichrist, but listen, I look at today at the society and look at the world and there is a rising antichrist spirit. There is a spirit amongst people that is antichrist. It tries to stand in the place of Christ. It tries to become like the Messiah, the one who's going to solve all the problems. Without going into detail, there will be one that arises. We will see that arises and tries to be the one that brings peace, in, 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 particularly in the Middle East, but around the world. How many of you know today that, that today it has got so bad that people don't expect peace anymore? I was speaking to someone yesterday, they said, you know, to go to on holiday now, you just have to expect that you don't know when you're going to die, even on a sun lounger. I mean, this is the truth. I never thought, the last time I went away on holiday, we're going to Greece, I never thought that a time would come when you would not be at peace on a sun lounger. I even noticed this, and I've mentioned it before, that in 2004, I better get the dates right, Emma's not here, when we got married. 
because she's not here. Is that right, 2004? I said to someone yesterday, there's a few pivotal dates I have to remember. That's all. The birth of the children and Emma's, our, our marriage. But when we got married, we went to, we went out to Sri Lanka. And three months before the tsunami, we were sat on a beach that got destroyed three months later. On a Sunday morning, I was sat there looking at the turtles in the sea. I've mentioned it before. But I remember looking out and reading my book, listening to the music, looking at, at what was happening that day and thinking, this is just beautiful, peaceful. Just looking at this out in the sea. And little did I know that three months later, destruction would come to that place. Listen to me. Even on a beach now, not through the natural elements, people are killing people. Today, the world is not a peaceful place. People are looking for the one who will bring this peace. People, uh, one who will bring this, who will stand in the place of Messiah, will stand in the place of Jesus and bring peace to the world. Look out for this. It says that the Antichrist will deceive many people. There is only one Christ, and that is Jesus Christ. You know, when I was working in my old job, we used to, one of the projects we used to work on at one time was, is looking at, um, I used to work a lot in an area where we looked at the people working in the fake industry, producing fake goods, and boy oh boy, I learned some things. Some some of the people I used to work with, they, they were some of the biggest manufacturers who produce goods that we have today, drinks and food goods. And I was speaking to one of the top men one day of these, these companies, because I had to do some graphics and things for them. And he said to me, he says, some of the products that we have now on the shelves, people are producing that many fakes and good fakes that now what we have to do is to, we, we can't do anti-counterfeit measures because they're so good at copying the anti, anti-counterfeit measures, we just can't keep up. So actually, the technology of trying to do things like holograms and things on the back of bottles to stop people faking things, they said, we've gone back to basics. And what we do now is this, we put an error in the text on the back of the bottle so that we know there's only, there's only us knows where that error in the spelling mistake is. The people who are counterfeiting don't look for mistakes. They look for perfection. And l- listen to me. There is today. You look in the world. You don't know what's fake and what's real. You've got no idea after the time. I was watching a program the other day on people producing fake detector tests to go through the airports and getting security people into, into nightclubs. And they said these fake devices look so real, but yet they don't even detect weapons. So people get, then get the weapons in. The world is getting to a point where we see things, we get tricked by the fake that looks so close and stands in the place of, and that's what the Antichrist spirit will do. It will look not like it's got two red horns and not look like it's evil, but it will look good. It will look good. And people will put the people of Christ down because they'll say we're the ones who look like the odd ones. Listen, Jesus says, I'm telling you ahead of time. This is coming when an antichrist spirit will rise up. False Christ who try to stand in the place of. Jesus said this in verse 26. If anyone tells you there he is, he's out in the wilderness. This is... Meaning Jesus. People telling us today, Jesus has, we've seen him, he's here, or he's in this country, or he's, he's appeared here. Jesus says this, listen very carefully, do not go out. Here he is in the inner rooms, they say. He says, don't believe it. For as lightning that comes from the east is visible even from the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. In other words, listen, you will not have time to be told that Jesus has come. Listen to me. You will never be have time to have this forewarning that he's appeared and he's just appeared in, in Florida. You've got to get a flight out there or he's appeared in Jerusalem. You've got to get a flight and everyone's trying to get... Listen, it will never happen this way. Just as lightning is visible from the east and the west, in a, in a split second, Jesus will return. And every eye will see him and everyone will bow their knee and acknowledge that he is the Son of God. There will not be a time for you to digest or work out, is this Messiah? Jesus will come at an hour we don't expect, but we need to be ready. But when he comes, he says it will be like lightning. 
I want to tell you, even today, I don't know that he could return even today. Before this service is out, before we even get to the coffee, he could come. And that's not, again, being sensationalist, but we have to be ready. Expect false Christ. Number two today said this, expect wars. He says rumors of wars. Rumors of wars. He says this, Matthew 24 verse 6, you'll hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Listen to this very carefully. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. How many people walk around with the boards on them saying the end is near when wars come and you see that on, in, on the internet there's a rise and on God TV maybe and Christian channels, there is a rise as soon as wars begin to occur that people say he's coming now. Listen, Jesus is not going to, re- he's not going to return with a war. There's not going to be a massive war for him To necessarily come. It will not end in war. It will end in his coming. He will appear. But many of us think. Look Jesus says there will be rumors of wars. But he says don't be alarmed. Many of us get so wrapped up in these things. That we say this is it. This is the end. And we're alarmed by it. He says such things must happen. I'm not saying that we shouldn't want wars to happen. We should do everything we can to stop these kind of things occurring. The trouble in the world. We should do this. And I believe that God wants us to do that. I have a heart to stop people killing each other. But at the same time, when it's out of our control, we should also be ready and know that these things are going to come. These things are going to come. Let me tell you, as the time comes towards the end, darkness will get worse and worse, but there will be a light that increases, and it will be the the light of Jesus Christ himself. I want to be in the light. I want to be amongst those who are living in the light. Paul says that we are children of the light, not children of the night. And I want to be one of those. Many will say this, they'll say, well, the wars, they've been occurring for years. World War One. there were nearly around 70 million, million people died in World War One. World War Two, around 70 million again. And people look at these times and say, well, if these are these pivotal moments, and I'm sure then there were preachers just like today, people like me reading from Matthew chapter 24 saying, this is it. Listen, I'm sh- when, I, when I preach today, I, I, I thought to myself, you know, Many people have preached this message through the years, through 2,000 years, said the same thing. He's coming soon. But listen, how much sooner will he be coming today than 1,000 years ago? He's coming. And then when these wars happened and they occurred, World War I, World War II, and many other wars to mention, people dying and losing their lives. Listen to me. We should not get alarmed thinking, that's it. The end is about to happen tomorrow because of a war. Jesus is coming will be the end. His return. Next week I'm going to be looking at this on the day he returns. Many of you may have different views on the rapture and heard many American read the books about uh, being left behind and the rapture. Next week I'm going to be looking at that actual day when Jesus comes back and what it will be like and my personal view in a sense and something for you to digest and think about. But that day is coming. But we shouldn't expect that all of a sudden a war occurs, be alarmed, this is it. It's going to happen now because of a war. These things must happen. It scares me and worries me in one sense when I look sometimes and you've got people like in Iran at the moment who are already saying they want to erase Israel off the map. They want to get rid of Israel, the nation of Israel. You know this, that when it was destroyed in in 70 AD, the temple that Jesus talks about and and over the years, Israel did not become a nation till 1948. But we know now it stands firm as a nation. And listen, listen, there's one thing you've got to do is keep your eye, I always do, on Israel. Keep your eye on what's happening in Israel. Because that is God's land. It's where the promise is. It's where the promise of the new covenant came through. And listen to me. Whatever any man says on the news, whatever anyone says against God's land, it will never come to pass. 
It will never come to pass. Because God's word is greater. I want you to turn with me to see this as one of the prophets said this in Zechariah chapter 12. To look at what God believes and speaking of the end times. Zechariah chapter 12 verse 1. He said this. Should be on the screen as well. The Lord who stretches out the heavens, who lays the foundation of the earth, and who forms the human spirit with a person, declares, I am going to make Jerusalem a cup that sends all the surrounding peoples reeling. Judah will be besieged as well as Jerusalem. On that day, Listen, this is the end. This is the final battle it talks about in the Bible. The very final day when the armies are surrounding. On that day when all the nations of the earth are gathered against her. That's Israel. I will make Jerusalem an immovable rock for all the nations. All who try to move it will injure themselves. God's word is greater. We sing the songs, our God is greater, our God is stronger. Listen, there's going to be a day when you will see, when every eye will see, armies are coming round Israel and it is the final battle. On the day that Jesus returned, the Lord's day and he comes back in his glorious appearing. He will not allow these armies to destroy his land. I cannot wait for that day. We're going to look at that next week, what it is for that day when people will meet Jesus. We'll meet him face to face. The end is not going to end in war for you to get alarmed. You'll know when all the nations of the earth gather, this is the end. We're going to see. But listen to me. It will not, we should not be alarmed by the wars that are happening in a sense that it doesn't mean we shouldn't respond to them, but we shouldn't be alarmed thinking this is it. Tomorrow is coming because now there's been another war. Number three today, the next sign that Jesus mentions in, to, his, to the disciples, he says this, there will be famines and earthquakes. Famines and earthquakes. Jesus said, verse 7 to 8, there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. Not just in the place where he was, but he says they're going to be in various places. All these, he said, now this is important, are the beginning of the birth pains, he said. All these are the beginning of birth pains. Now, I'm sure you could say to me that, well, earthquakes again, famines, they've been happening all the time. Yes, they have. But if you look today, the world in its situation in famine and earthquakes is increasing in intensity. More than we've ever known. I watched, not a few, it was about a year and a half ago or so, I watched a program on TV where there were guys sat around the world monitoring earthquakes. And they said on that program then, quite clearly, that there is an increased intensity like they've never seen before in a short space of time on the frequency of earthquakes. You see, yes, these things have been around. Jesus is saying these are signs. They're not for you to, as soon as you see it, that you pack your bag ready, but to just know, to see the signs. These things are going to come. But there is an inf- a frequency that has been coming up upon these things. There is so much suffering in the world. And many times I, I go out and I meet people on the streets again. And they said to me this question, why does God allow suffering? It's one of the biggest questions you get asked. Why is God allowing these things? Listen, I'm going to tell you something very clear. That since the beginning of the world, when sin came into the world, God loves the world with all his heart. That's why he sent his son to suffer for you. He did the greatest thing. He didn't have to because man had turned his back on God from the very beginning. But he said, I'm going to do the ultimate thing and I'm going to let my son suffer to redeem. Listen, in these times, we don't understand all the answers to questions. But just as Jesus says, these are going to be signs. I'm thankful but that Jesus has paid the price to give us an answer so we have eternal life. Where there will be no more problems like this again. And this day is coming. Suffering And trouble will be on people and the earth itself. It's going to be upon famine. You'll see in famine it looked like in a sense that when people don't have the food to eat, it's just like an earthquake. It's the shake of the the foundations of the earth. People 
will be hungry. People will be desperate. I was so blessed yesterday to see statistics come through of the Nepal appeal that we did. Not, not necessarily our appeal, but the response just from the UK alone was something like 70 million pounds was given to the Nepal appeal. Praise God. That's not just Christians. That's people who care, who love people who want to help. That's a response and it was great to see there was a breakup of how this money's been distributed across and helped people. People generally love to respond and that's good. So we should respond to these things. God is looking for us to be loving as well through all this. Not to sit back, relax and say, I'm not going to do anything because these are the signs. God's giving me the signs. These things must come. Therefore, I'm not going to do anything. No, in fact, he's looking at us saying, how are you going to respond as the people who are supposed to love in, in, with no conditions attached, how are you going to respond to these uh, 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 problems around the world? And I believe that God is looking for us to do that. And there's some people I've met in the past that they sit back, relax, waiting for his return, saying, I, I'm just going to wait. These things are going to come. We should do it with love and respond as well. These things are going to come. Paul talked about this in Romans 8, verse 20 to 22. It should come up. It says this, that for the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know, he says, verse 22, that the whole that the whole of creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. In other words, he's saying this, that right from the very beginning, the earth has been groaning with the, 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 the birth pains, as in childbirth, waiting for the re- revealing of the sons and daughters of God. Amen. He's waiting for that day when he will return. He's waiting for that day when he will come back. And just like Paul said this, Jesus said, these signs are the beginning of the birth pains. It's an interesting thing that he says it's the beginning of birth pains. I know many, a few years back, trying to remember the date again, when Jacob, our first, was born. And I'll never forget that we'd gone through nine months. Well, it, it seemed pretty easy. Emma seemed to find it pretty easy. Nine months, just, you know, carrying um, seven pounds or whatever it is around. It's, it seemed pretty easy, but, you know, through that time she... It was great on a night, you know, by the way, because she was very tired on an evening. Eight o'clock, I just, she, it was very peaceful in the house. Got to about eight o'clock, she'd just fall asleep. It was, I used to time it, wait for her to fall asleep. And then I'd kind of watch what I want to watch on TV. It was really, it was really good. Nine months of watching what I want to watch. And not one thing happens. And I remember us getting all these books and looking at the stages of, of childbirth. You know, this is where the stage of the, the baby's this size. And then you got all these detailed things and pictures of looking at what it is and what level and stage. And I remember what looking, we got all these books. We got really excited, bought the books and things like this. And then we get, we're getting so long. And, and do you know what? There's a sense in which when you, you see the growth of the baby, but all the time thinking, is this ever going to happen? I can't imagine a day when this is just going to happen. Is it actually really going to happen that we're going to have a child? I can't believe this. And it's just a bump and you're looking and you're reading the books and thinking, is this really going on inside? And we can't really see everything. It's just like us today. We can't see everything. We don't know. We, we don't know everything what's coming. We don't know that there is going to be a revealing that great and glorious day when Jesus does come back. But Jesus said it's like the birth pins. Listen to me. One day out of the blue, it, it shocked me more than I think it shocked Emma. When the first pain comes, and she said, I've got a pain. I thought, that's the TV out of the window. It's It's all back to normal. Everything's gone back to normal. No more resting at 8 o'clock on an evening. And she said, I've got a pain. And then the pain started to increase. So then I remember chasing down. Listen, we, the first pain, we were straight in. I was, I'd already planned my route to Adam Brooks. I was getting down there quick. Straight away, you think that the whole world just has to shift out of the way for you to get there you know and we were driving down we're cruising down to adam brooks and pulled up and i'm like you know like a casualty just come on in you know i knew the routine i got it all planned out in my head we got a birthing plan in fact it never went to plan but we got a birthing plan they told us right everything you want to do and we we planned it all out and she comes in we get right into into the heart of the rosy maternity and we walk in there and they said no 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 this is not real this is not these are not the real pains 
Is it called Braxton? What's the, the name? Braxton Hicks. I thought Braxton Hicks. I missed that chapter. What's this about? So I look back again, look at the book. Braxton Hicks, ah, these are, these are, these are not real labor pains. This is not the real thing. You need to go back. You need to, you need to go back. And then they started saying, so we got the books out. We went back home. I was so disappointed. I was driving much slower on the way back, by the way. So disappointing. I got back. We got some food out. We sat in the living room and then it said, I was reading books, looking online. How do we get this thing triggered? Eat a curry. If you know me, I was really discouraged by that. Now we ordered a nice vindaloo to get a nice curry going, get something to get this going. Eat, drink raspberry tea. Have we got any raspberry tea? No, we've got normal PG. Let's go and get some raspberry tea. Let's get this thing going. We need the real thing now. I've experienced it. We need the real thing. And listen, eventually they came. And when they come, boy, did I know about it. He put, he put it into context. He put it into context. We raced down there this time. I'm straight in there. This is not Braxton Hicks. This is the real thing. We're here. I was waiting for them to turn around and say, no, you, I'm sorry, you're wrong. Because my wife, she could barely speak for a few minutes. But then it went normal again. And I was looking around in, the, in, the, in, in Rosie and looking around at all these different women. And it was crazy because one minute they'd be screaming out. I'd be thinking, is this what we've got to go through? This is terrible. It literally sounds like people were dying in there. I know there's some people here today working there. And listen, I was in there thinking, this is, I cannot do this for several hours. And we walked in. I said, I'll go and park the car. So I went and parked the car and left her in there screaming. And then they stopped. And one of the th- interesting things about the labor was this is that the pain would come and then it would stop. And my wife would be talking to me like normal. And then all of a sudden it would change. Her voice would change. The pain would come back. And, and I think this is just unreal. It's not constant. It's not constant pain. It comes and then it goes. Jesus said that it would be like birth pains. In fact, in between the birth pains, you sometimes go to sleep because you don't think he's coming. And you think, oh, it's all normal again. I'm not really sure he is returning. And then another pain comes. Another earthquake comes. And it's another reminder to say, here's another one. This is no Braxton Hicks. This is the real thing. And God has allowed this, this way that it's going to happen and Jesus to return, that it gives us a, a sense of a forewarning. That when the pains come, when these things come, they're going to come in frequency. Now listen, towards the end, the frequency started to go up. The distance between each one got to the point where literally I couldn't have a conversation with my wife. You know, a conversation was out the window. And uh, they said, do you, the birthing plan had gone out the window too. I came back in and they said, do you want to go and have your baby in the pool rather than have it in a bed? We put a bed, we just said, oh, let's go for the pool and that's the only one that's available. We went and, she went and got in this pool thing. And so everything went out the window, but listen, the frequency got so much so that there was not much of a gap between each one. Listen to me, Jesus uses this, this to show us that when you see the frequency of these things changing, you know that the time is coming, the end is near, as the frequency comes of these events. All these things we need to watch out for. Revelation 21 verse 4 says, God eventually, even though there is suffering, God will wipe every tear from their eyes, it says. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. In other words, one day when he returns, there's not going to be any more suffering in the world. There'll be no more pain. The old things have passed away and it will be a new day. Amen. Fourth sign is persecution, Jesus said, and disunity persecution and disunity Matthew chapter 24 verse 9 he says you're going to be handed over to be persecuted and put to death and you will be hated by all nations because of me you don't see that on people's fridge do you you'll be hated by all nations because of me many of us don't expect persecution he says at that time verse 10 many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other In other words, Jesus says this, there is going to be persecution coming to the church like you've never seen before that will even take the elect of people, the the people of the faith, and they will betray each other and hate each other. That's why, and I 
I talk about this quite a lot. But that's why we have to be very careful in our churches these days that we're not looking at the stones of the temple and not getting too focused on the wrong things. But we are a strengthened, strong body to take any persecution that will ever come to us so that we stand strong as a family. Because the time when persecution will come, and believe you and me, we will face it. There is an increase at the moment, not only in the signs that we're seeing here, but there is an increase in persecution at the moment. We see it on the TV. Christians being persecuted. Yes, there are other people in other religions persecuted, but there is an increased intensity. And we've seen it over the last few years of where now that it's no longer as it was in the world wars in the past where planes would fly over and you would worry about whether you're going to get bombed and you have an air raid shelter. Listen, you can't even go to the supermarket today without knowing if your time's up. You've got no idea because these days it's a completely different ball game. People to fight in wars these days and to do things, do it as quick and easy as this without any multi-billion pound plane. They can do it in Tesco's. Times have changed. Persecution's going to come. There's going to be a time when it will rock and sep- it will rock the church and separate who really are standing for the faith. And Jesus doesn't want us to be looking at how beautiful the churches are. And then as soon as persecution comes, it's shallow Christianity to the point that we fail and we start to hate and put down each other and leave. I want to tell you, Jesus says these things are going to come. So you've got to be strong and ready. He says that people are going to hate you because of me. Now, that sounds like, do I really want to be a Christian? Yes, I do. Because I'll tell you one thing. I don't want to be following the Antichrist spirit. I don't want to be following the, the spirit of today that looks like it's trying to bring a fake pseudo Christ. A fake in the place of Jesus, the Messiah. Jesus came, died for our sins, and he, he, he cleansed us for eternity. He's given us a path and a way back to the Father in heaven. There's only one who's done that. And there's only one who is ever going to do that. And his name is Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. Persecution and disunity. Listen, if you say, well, I, why does Jesus want to allow this upon us? Why does Jesus want to allow us to be persecuted in this way? Jesus was persecuted himself. He demonstrated to show you, I'm going to do the ultimate and I'm going to suffer and be persecuted, whipped and beaten just for you. I've already done these things and persecution will come. Many of us think today when we look at this, we think, I don't understand why it looks like the church seems to be going, in a, in a sense, on a decline that we've been persecuted. If you read the scriptures, it talks of Jesus said that, In the end, it will be like the narrow road and the wide road. The narrow gate or the wide gate that leads. He says the wide will lead to destruction. The narrow will lead to life. Listen to me. All the days right to the very end, to the final day that Jesus comes, we cannot expect that we are going to be the the majority. Sometimes Christians think that we've got to, our job is to, to become the majority. To force people to become, to know Jesus, to become the majority. Right until the very end, it will be that we will be a minority. But I want to encourage you, you need to rescue people into the minority. Do you understand? It's never, we're never going to be the majority. He says the wide road, the ones that we'll be going will lead to destruction. But the elect, we want to be saved, amen? The wide road and the narrow road. Persecution and disunity is going to come and it's going to break up the church if we're not strong. We need to be strong as a church. Expect these things. Expect the persecution. I remember that the, the, later on and Emma had gone in. She's back now, but we've been talking about the labor. And um, yeah, I think I got everything right. And we were in there and she was now in, in, in the pool. And uh, this was going on. She 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 had the she had the gas in the air, and and I was there, and I was holding her hand all the way through. This, by the way, I was told afterwards that she didn't remember a thing about me helping her. And I said, "Listen, I was holding her hand so much so that sometimes I felt like I was going to go in the pool myself. I was like this on a stool. My my arm for nearly whatever it was it was hurting, but I couldn't really talk about my arm because she was talking about the pain. You see, so I had to just." 
I had to just accept it. And I was there holding my, my, uh, my wife and she'd get these pins and it was terrible pain. And listen to me, sometimes when you're going through all this, the pain and the suffering, sometimes you think to yourself, is there anything going to ever happen? You know, we just want the baby. And then it's amazing that just hours or minutes after the births occurred, the difference, we were sat in the room and they said, would you like breakfast, sir? And I said, yes, I'll have some marmalade on toast, please, and a cup of tea. And literally minutes after me holding her hand, I'm now eating toast and tea, looking at the baby with no pain at all. Listen to me. It happens so quickly. We go through the pain. There's going to be struggles. There's going to be persecution. There's going to be signs. There's going to be things that hit the church so hard and rock us that you're going to think sometimes I want to abandon the faith. This is not for me. But listen, hang on tight. Do not let go. Because the birth is coming for the revealing of the sons and daughters and for Jesus to come back. And listen to me. It will be well worth it. Don't Listen to the enemy that wants you to let go and say, I can't do this anymore. I can't do this anymore. Listen, afterwards, when, when the baby had come, we went home. It's a very funny thing, but we got, we got back home and Emma's mum and dad came down for the first time. They said, it's great. They saw the baby and they were taking photographs. And she said this to me. She said, she goes, I just want to thank you, Phil, for being such a good support. To my wife, uh, to my daughter when you were in the hospital. She goes, I think you did really well. And she said, this is one of the first things she said to me. I thought, how does she know what I did? She said, at night time when she went in, she said, and you were by the pool. She said, the phone rang in our house in Norfolk. I said, okay. She said, I answered the phone. We ran downstairs. We thought, what is this? What is this called? The middle of the night. They answered the phone. And what I didn't realize is every time that the first time I went over and bent in to help her in the pool, I pressed my phone and dialed her mum. And she listened to the whole birth. They were sat in the house listening to Emma screaming and me saying, it's okay. We're going to get there. She had live interaction. In fact, I think at one time she was shouting through my pocket, go on, Emma. I just didn't hear it. I'm like, no way. Listen to me. If there's any jealousy, when I told my mum that Emma's mum had had a live, live, you know, live interaction, she's like, oh, okay. So she'd missed out. She gets the second hand of me. She said, wow. But all the way through. But listen, she said, you know, you were so good. And, and Emma's like, oh, did he? Was he, was he that good? I said, yes. Your mum even heard it. Listen. I wish we had a recording. But listen, when the pain, when we were going through that time, you're sometimes wondering, shall I, you just want to give up. She looked tired. I was tired. We're all tired, wondering when it's going to happen. But when it comes, it's glorious. It's glorious. 1 Peter 4, verse 12 to 13, speaking for the suffering for Christ. He says this, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come upon you come on you to test you as though something strange were happening to you listen to this but rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed there's going to be a day when his glory is revealed when the the birth happens the revealing of Jesus And that's when it comes. And you're going to be thinking, you forget the pain. And why is it so many people can go and have a second and third child? They forget the pain. Afterwards, you're not going to remember this, says Jesus. It looks bad now. but There's going to be a day, if you follow me, when you look back and say, you forget the pain. And it will be a new day. Amen. Number five, I'm going to try and go through quickly. Number five, another one is false teachers. We have false Christs that are going to come. False teachers will come, says Jesus. He shows us that it's not just going to be about false people who stand in the place of, but people who teach and prophesy. When he says prophets, I think he means teachers as well in a sense of people who are speaking about things that can deviate us from the truth. I want to encourage you today, there's many, many things are going to come through where it will look like, in a sense, that Antichrist spirit, that in the place of it will look like everything like is like Jesus, but it will, be, it will have something that deviates away from him. Anything that does not point to Jesus and lift and elevate him high is not of Jesus. We need to look to everything. Teaching always needs to come back to that truth. 
always needs to come back to that truth. I had someone recently, uh, a Muslim uh, brother came to the church here and he walked into my office and he said, I want to have a meeting with you. I want to see you. And he came and he sat down and he said this to me. He said, um, he said, uh, I-, I wanted to talk to you about your message. I think he'd heard what we've been preaching and speaking of around here. And he said, I don't believe it's the truth. And then I said, he said, I told him, I said, we're seeing God do amazing things. God said, Jesus says he will heal people. And he said this to me, he says, I believe this power is of Satan. I said to him this, I said, it's funny you should say that. Because people accuse Jesus of the very same thing. I said that in the times in the Bible, they accused him of the very same thing. That says, this power that you're operating in, the religious leaders said... The power you're operating in is of Satan. And Jesus turned around and said, a a kingdom cannot be divided against itself. I said this to him, I said, I, when I operate, I lift up the name of Jesus. The devil does not want to lift up Jesus' name. In fact, he wants to do the very opposite. And he didn't know what to say. I said, listen, everything we do is to glorify Jesus. If it never is, then listen, leave. (laughs) Leave. Because it needs to always focus on Jesus. I consciously try to make sure that when we see the miracles, when we see healings, that we make sure it points back to him. That it says this is about Jesus. Listen, miracles can't save you, but Jesus can. (laughs) Hallelujah. False teachers are going to come. False teachers have false hearts. That's what they have. They have false hearts. Their heart is not towards or focused on Jesus. 2 Timothy 4, verse 3 to 5, it says, For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they'll gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you, he says, keep your head in all situations. Keep your head. Make sure you keep to the truth. Number six, there will be an increase in evil, Jesus said. There will be an increase in evil. And wickedness and the love of most will grow cold, he said in verse 12. But he says the one in verse 13 who stands to the end will be saved. There is these days a sense that people, there is a love more about self than others. I don't know, I mentioned a story recently. I was shopping for a camera. You know the story of the Tesco's thing? I'm still looking at cameras. I'm still researching and looking at cameras. I'm still waiting for Tesco's to phone me back and say, you've got a free camera. You know the story. They, now they haven't phoned me yet. I'm praying about it. Praying long and hard. So I've been looking at cameras. And uh, one of the features that I found is someone came up to me the other day and said, it depends what you want to use the camera for, sir. What would you like to use the camera for? I said, well, to take pictures. He said, you know, do you want to do portraits? Do you want to do uh, landscapes? Do you want a, a big zoom on it to focus in on objects far away on your holiday? And I'm talking about all these different things he said. And the, one of the extra things he said is, he goes, this, this one's a really good one. And he showed me this camera and he said, this one's got a, a selfie screen. I said, a selfie screen? He said, yeah. He says, the, the screen flips up now 180 degrees so you can see yourself to take pictures of yourself. I'm like, wow. I mean, did you know that selfie is now in the dictionary? The word selfie is now in our dictionaries. And he said this, and I thought, I remember the days when people avoided the photographer because they didn't want their picture taken. Now the cameras have features so you can take your own picture. You know, you're not even, no one's even worried anymore about being, you know, not having a picture took. They want to take them themselves. Our generation is changing so that we begin to love ourselves more than others. We joke, but it's true. The selfie is it hit the dictionary. It's all about self. That's what the whole problem of the beginning of the world was. Self. And there's going to be a time when people focus on themselves more. The love of people will grow cold and there will be increased wickedness. I'll tell you today, you turn the news on, another sign again you've seen, there's an increase now in our nation, in nations across the world of lawlessness, the spirit of lawlessness coming upon the land, where people's love has grown cold, they begin to think more about themselves more than anyone else. And I want to tell you, look at these signs. Jesus said, I'm telling you ahead of time so you know. But you know, there's one final one that Jesus gives right to the end. And this is the one, I believe, 
That actually we're seeing all those other signs in increased intensity. In fact, we're seeing this final one in intensity. But this is the very thing, this final sign that is holding back the return of Jesus. And that is the spread of the gospel. Do you know what? God's heart is to save everyone. God's heart is for everyone to come to know his son. And the son doesn't know the date, if you remember. He doesn't know the day or the hour, but God the Father does. And God's heart was to send his son, and he wants to rescue everyone. And this will come only by people hearing the message of Jesus. And who's going to tell people? You and me. He says this, verse 14, Jesus said, And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world, he said. As a testimony to all nations. And then he says this. And then the end will come. The gospel has got to go to the nations of the world. If you look today. There are apps now. Apps on your phone that can tell you. Where the gospel's reached. And if you look at these apps. You'll see that the majority of the world. In some, in some remote places has now been reached. If you look right back to the very beginning when the commission of the church and they went out to start speaking. It was a very small area that started to, the church spread across and Paul went on his missionary journeys. You look now and the gospel is beginning to touch nations all across the world. And soon, listen, Jesus says, this message has got to get out. The message so that they can accept me, accept my son and be rescued at that time on that day and that hour. And when that's done, when the final day, the cut-off deadline that only the Father knows, we don't know, he says the end's going to come. I want to encourage you today that there is an increased demand upon us as we see these signs to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ like never before. The more the signs come, it's not for you to sit thinking, I know what's going to happen. People who are not saved don't know. I'm just going to wait now. I'm so excited for his return. No, it should, it should put a sense of expectancy and a sense of urgency on the inside of you that says, I have got to go out and do my part in spreading the gospel for Jesus. That is the very last sign that Jesus says, and it's the one he says that when it's finished and complete... The end will come. Well, listen to me. 2,000 years have passed and the reason why it's probably been a long time is because God wants to save many. It feels like a long time. But listen, look at the stats, look at the data and you will see that that he's coming very close now to a fulfillment of all nations across the world hearing the gospel. Whether they accept it is one thing. They can hear it, but they need to accept it. But when they've heard it, they've had an opportunity and a chance to hear this salvation message. When that's occurred, Jesus said, the end will come. We're the ones, you know, who are going to fulfill this. We're the ones, and that's why as a church here, I'm so passionate about spreading this news. Getting the news out that he's coming soon. He's coming Soon, just as we come to a close, I want you to look. We looked at it briefly last week, but in Acts chapter 1, verse 6, talking about the ascension. That's Jesus when he died and he appears to his disciples, resurrected. And the ascension when he says, this is it. You know, he goes and he goes up into the clouds and two men dressed in white appear. And they say this. Let's read it. Acts 1 verse 6, then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Meaning, are you going to sort everything out? Are you going to bring peace in Israel? Are you going to do what, what we really need our Messiah to do? And Jesus responded and said this, just before he went up into the clouds and the two men came, he said this, it's not for you to know The times or the dates, that's the exact times and dates, that the Father has set by his own authority. But, he doesn't say, just hang on in there. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. In other words, Jesus' response was this. 
Don't worry about the dates. Don't worry about the exact times that God the Father is setting his authority. He changes it all the way back. He says, you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And do you know what? When, when that happens, you're not going to worry about times and dates of the exact hour. You're going to worry about rescuing people. You're going to worry about bringing people to the knowledge of me. There it is. And then he went. And then the two men dressed in white said this. said, don't stand here being worried. Don't look terrified. The same way you've seen him go up into the clouds, he will return. He will return. Thank you for listening. And we trust that the word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.